life can be a bank, right? And we understand that we have to make deposits into the bank before we can make withdrawals from the bank. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I am so excited. Now, Robert Richard is on. He is the CEO of Elite Performance Medicine and, of course, an Emmy Award-winning actor on the side. Talk about a side hustle winning Emmy is not a bad one. But the reason, before I let Richard, I'm sorry, Robert, come on. I, I get on a lot of shows. And a lot of times when I'm on the shows, I'm like the big surprise, right? I'm a, B, I'm a B-level actor at best, C or D if you ask my kids. But I get on an interview and everyone's like, shit, I didn't know where that came from. First time I met Robert Richard, he went from, all right, I know who this guy is. I'll, I'll give him the credit of being a B-plus to A-minus actor. But man, he is A-plus, plus, plus, plus in my book. This is an interview that I've been so excited with. And you're like the Masters, man. The Masters is the only sporting event that never disappoints. I'm not rising, raising the bar too high here. This may be my best interview, and I'm calling it beforehand, the way Cam Newton called the win against the Jets last night. I'm calling it right here. This may be the best playbook ever before we even start. How do you like that, Robert? I love that. I love that. Yo, shout out to all the men out there who are watching. Um, I'm going to start off this interview the same way that I started off every single game of my life. I'm going to say a little prayer so everybody bow your heads. Dear God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right. (laughs) I told you it's already starting (laughs) off. You and I are connected at a different level. Uh, Our backgrounds have some similarities, but differences. You know, what is this blend that you have with faith and everything else you do? And I've been on a path, a journey to figure out this blend. And you have some Great old school, old wisdom. You're a man that has lived many lives. I can tell you that. How do you blend faith into your business life, your 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 family life, and of course, even your acting life? You know, one thing I was taught, and you know, we all sort of like grow up and have this sort of like uh, memory of what it was like in our kitchen, in our ki- in my kitchen, in my home, my family is all about listening. And I sort of sort of developed this sort of like uh, idea of listening as a scaffold. So there's like the verbatim, it's what people are actually saying, the words that are coming out of everyone's mouth. There is the subtext of what they're trying to say. That's body language, it's energy. When people are talking about, oh, I feel this person's energy. There's their intentions, what their goals are. There's a universal message from you that's coming from the universe. And then God has a message in everything that comes across your desk. So when you're being a good listener and you're listening sort of on these five channels at the same time, that's where you're seeing God putting his hand in what you're doing, showing you I'm challenging for a reason. I'm giving you success for for a reason. I'm making you miss that flight for a reason. That's God talking to you. And the universe is also you know, relating to you saying, hey, you're in the cosmos. You're part of the stardust, you know, and you are both significant and stay humble at the same time. And as you're listening in all those different ways, I think that's what happens where I'm so in tune with like what God has for me and what's happening in like our physical realm at the same time. It's so amazing because I thought you were going to go a different area and I've never heard those five and you're filled. Like I said, this would be so much nuggets and wisdom coming through. But I always heard, you know, there's three kinds of listeners. 
that can hear those five different types of frequencies, as I would call it. And the first is an interrupter, uh, which unfortunately, you know, even to the highest level in politics, we got people that won't listen. They just want to interrupt you. The worst to me is the waiters. They're the ones that aren't listening to you. They're just waiting to tell you what they think, but they're not going to interrupt you. And then, of course, you have the, the processors, the people that are learning, more interested than interesting, uh, which will allow all five of those frequencies. One of the things that confuses people as well in the blend of faith and intertwining of that faith or the different frequencies of what we're hearing or listening to or learning uh, is work, <laughs> hard work. And, you know, I, I know even in, in your early younger acting career, one of my favorite performances by you is Coach Carter, one of my favorite movies ever, especially the soliloquy at the end when we talk about liberating light. Uh, you know, I'm sure you love that poem as I well. I love that poem, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have that clip saved. I, I listen to it still today. I, I've worn out my DVD of that movie. Um, but hard work plays an important role in faith or allowing things to happen. What's your interpretation of how hard work allows things to happen? Well, I was sitting in church in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was driving on a Sunday going to brunch and I saw all these people in a parking lot. So I just kind of like made a detour and walked into the church. I sat by myself in a pew and I heard um, the pastor talking about uh, heaven. And he said that heaven, people kind of think of heaven not in the real sense. They think of it like white clouds, a bunch of cherubs floating around and like grapes being fed to everybody. But that's not what heaven is. He said that heaven is just like earth. It's just, there's no sickness, you're not tired, there's no traffic, there's none of the oppositions of the universe in heaven. He said, but the best thing is there's work there. And he said that the things that, what we feel on earth when we are accomplishing our goals is that little slice of heaven, which is I pushed my passion about what I was passionate about, the things that were my endeavors, my ambitions, and I worked toward them. And that sense of like accomplishment, euphoria, a sense of confidence, all that, that is that little slice of heaven. And so I'm always running to work because that is where our heaven lies. So that's my sort of my interpretation of where hard work and sort of like the greater sort of, sort of yeah, it, it makes sense, too, that, you know, for me to create a void, a shortage or an obstacle uh, runs in a duality of one. We do that by focusing on what we don't want, but we also can create a void shortage uh, of what we do want. If, if we do hard work, we actually create a void for the universe to fill. If we have faith, the universe will fill what we want. Um, now, you and I both share philosophies on giving back. Uh, and I have a philosophy and I'd love to, to share with you about how you know the, the mainstream focus of giving is the more that I give, the more that I get. And so true. So true, right? And when I was your age, I would have been, that's my motto. Now, I would love for you to give me your uh, perception of my new philosophy. I believe that if you have faith, if your intent is to be of service and of value, living to your higher self, your Christ-like self, your potential, if that is your intent, then you're better off actually not trading or negotiating giving for receiving because it's a resistance that I actually in full faith of limitlessness and infinity and the greatest source of light, love and lessons, all I need to focus in on is receiving and allowing it to come through me for others because I'm doing less for people 
if I'm not focused in on receiving, if all I'm focusing is giving what limited things I have instead of giving unlimited things that I have access to. Absolutely. I mean, life can be a bank, right? And we understand that we have to make deposits into the bank before we can make withdrawals from the bank. And so there is that balance of being able to receive the deposits of the universe, the deposits of good measure, the deposits of other people's goodwill that gives you energy, that you're accepting food, that you're accepting compassion, that you're affecting, accepting uh, comedy, humility, like uh, friendship, that gives you the energy to then go out and be of service. Um, but also too, you can self-generate that in energy too. And I think a lot of times what we see, what we admire in certain people, whether it be a Gandhi or a Christ or a Buddha, or whomever, um, uh, Allah uh, is sort of this sort of like self-generating energy that allows them to continue to give and give and give and give. And I think that just because the universe is just so abundant, you can just pull that. I don't know where it comes from. But I know, I know that there's that, you know, that mom who cannot lift that car. If her, if her child is underneath that car, she can lift that car. And so it's like, where does that deposit of energy come from? I don't know if that's adrenaline. I don't know if that's God. I don't know what it is, but it is something that is immeasurable that says, I have more to give. And, you know, I think that we all admire that. Yeah, I think the pursuit of accessing how much power we actually have, which, you know, exactly what that poem is about in Coach Carter, right? Yeah. Liberating others to liberate themselves, to show your own light. And our biggest fear is the power that we have, uh, you know, which is so indicative of, of what we do. Now, uh, Highway Fit and your, your mission there <laughs> yeah. is intertwined with empowering this planet and all the humans that exist upon it. You know, where do you see that fitting into your perception and your goals? Um, I think that Highway Fit kind of got me on my path of like life's philosophy because I sort of like made the, I was at the bottom when I started Highway Fit. I had just come off of a relationship and I was just weak. I was weak, man. I was weak mentally. I was weak emotionally. And if I smelled, you know, Linnea's perfume, I would crumble to my knees. And so I thought to myself, how could I build myself up from within so that I can sort of just be a man and stand up? And I started this, you know, low intensity workout, something that's manageable that you could do anywhere. I didn't want to have any limitations or any like, you know, um, uh, uh, things that would limit the possibility of doing it anywhere. So I came up with it with my doctor. And I think from that, it sort of like started to condition my heart again and started conditioning my mind again. And I felt that every single day that I was going to commit to something, and that diligence and that practice and that determination of doing that every single day started transferring into other areas of my life. And I started to be able to assign myself to saying, oh, I can accomplish that. I do highway fit every day. So writing this paper, running these errands, taking care of my family, you know, uh, calling a loved one, all those things became super attainable because I had that one discipline. And a lot of times, like uh, generals, whether it be the Asan Su or whether it be a Genghis Khan, whether it be even like um, um, a Stalin, they talk about having a discipline in your life every single day. And that when you're interacting with other challenges, you can call on that same discipline of your mind to go, hey, let's get this done. 
So I think that that highway fit, you know, one, it's for the people. I didn't make it for myself. You know, so I feel like God worked through me and so many people have reached out. I know the one video that we have on YouTube right now has 1.7 million views, which is incredible. because I know that it's still growing. Um, and to think of all the people, you know, if you just help one person, job well done. But I've had so many people reach out to me. And it's funny because Highway Fit is taking on its own light. If I walk through the airport now, like people at TSA are like, Highway Fit. And I'm like, <laughs> That pretty much means that like I work in a high intensity job at the airport. I get a 15 minute break from my lunch and I'm figuring out how to put my health first in that time. And that, you know, that transfers in their personality, transfers in, you know, all the things that like endorphins and dopamine and serotonin levels that get risen by while working out. So it's just sort of taking a lot of its own. And I'm glad that I was able to be of service to everybody. And, you know, through radical humility, uh, we learn so much and it takes years. I took me years uh, to understand. It's the two words that sit on my nightstand, on my screensaver, to be radically humble. And to me, the meaning of being humble is to be of service, but more importantly, to ask for help. You know, under the context, I can't get what I don't receive. I want to be part of everything. And part uh, of what I see the biggest challenge for your generation is going to be the unification of the world, not, not just our country. Um, and there's so, and I think one of the things that people like you as a leader can help people understand is, uh, you know, when we have judgments and conditions, they separate us and that nobody knows the totality, right? And I think my humility comes from the fact that I know now that I don't know the totality. So, you know, I'm on a full errands when people ask me for solidified positive advice. I have to have it under the you know context that this is my perception today, which may not be true tomorrow for me, but I hope you can apply it to your life to pursue your potential. And we both are on the pursuit of our potential. How do you see moving forward in the future as a leader? Can we unite people to have humility to know that a tree has no branches? Because I see a bunch of branches fighting against other branches and killing our tree. And if we don't have leaders like you, you know, that tree will die. If we have leaders like you, the tree will grow stronger and stronger as it always has. I'm going to read you what I wrote this morning. I said, understand that the physics of the universe are equally and adversely opposing every one of your actions toward all your ambitions, endeavors, and daily steps forward. This is simply the third law of physics described by Isaac Newton. So in every interaction, play galactic chess chess is war use your tools to master the universe love compassion humor <laughs> wisdom drive understanding humility virtue and diligence these chess pieces when unleashed with strategy intact is how one masters their galaxy i love and that and so when you're saying the you know radically uh, radical humility is next to your bed like my brother is the master of humor i'm talking it doesn't matter who he's talking to it's like he just breaks down all their walls just with humor and i think that sometimes we undervalue that tool because where we are different is where humor makes us the same yeah and so i'm trying to learn to use that more as like my reflex whereas hey if I don't agree with somebody or whatever, 
let's find some common ground on things that we can laugh about. And, you know, imagine if we're watching two sides of, you know, a political debate. And they're enjoying the time they're spending together, whether they be different or not, but they're also making jokes at each other and say there's love between them. That's the actual world that we want. Yeah, Anthony Scalia and RBG, uh, I think are two of the wiser leaders we've had in our nation that had extraordinary differences, not only in their backgrounds, but their opinions, but they had that humor throughout their entire lives uh, that you could see there was a mutual love and respect. And what I think is so important is the idea that we do it for the whole team, right? The, the purpose of why we may have discourse, why we may challenge each other is for the greater good. Uh, and that we do things in that context uh, is so important. Um, and giving meaning to that's so important. Now, did you write that uh, or find that uh, that you read off? I wrote that. I wrote that. I've been sort of like starting to make a little journal of writing things down as I sort of go on this quest for like philosophy. Um, and so sometimes it just, you know, things just strike me and I try and write them down and share them. And someone wrote me immediately. I needed that. And then you wrote that and it came across my, my page this morning. I'm like, oh, then someone's working through me. And, you know, like I grew up Catholic um, and, you know, I love, I love my God. I love our people. I love my religion, but I understand that we're all, we all have different faiths. And uh, the way that it was explained to me, I was in Indonesia and I was in a car with a thousand motorcycles around me. Cause in Indonesia, like all the cars are on top of each other. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's, that's real traffic. <laughs> and the person who's my, the guy told me that like, if you see all the vehicles around you, that's like religion. We're all going the same way, but we might be in different vehicles. So someone might prefer a ute or an 18 wheeler truck or a motorcycle or a skateboard or an SUV, but we're all going the same direction. And I try to keep that in mind when, you know, I understand that the person next to me might have different beliefs, but we're headed at the same place. And I think sometimes what the friction that we see in the world is, no, let's go this way like this, because going this way like yours is absolutely wrong. And I think that's where we need to sort of like open up and go, hey, there's, you know, multiple paths and multiple vehicles to the same destination. Yeah, exactly. I actually use, utilize the same type of analogy for great change that we're experiencing, especially in business with COVID. I use the analogy of, you know, the only difference of what's happening today is that you're driving, you know, on the other side of the car at a roundabout in, in London. So you know how to drive, but all the things have changed around. You're on the other side of the car, there's different signals, et cetera. So the better you get adapted to the new side of the car and the new exits and the new, you're still driving a car though. You still have control and you know how to drive a car with the brakes and the clutch and the gas and the steering wheel and the blinkers, but you're on the other side now doing something different. Uh, real quickly with change, you uh, have years of wisdom, which is interesting because you spent a lot of time on set, not in school. You're probably one of the most well-read young people that I've had on the playbook. Uh, your wisdom and philosophy is something, you know, that you definitely have uh, a desire to be more interested than interesting. Although you're so interesting to so many people, your real desire is just to be interested. Um, you know, as a final question, through this experiences and successes you have, 
What's the common denominator that you see within yourself that you see in other people who carry the same spirit of excellence? You know, what, what is that common denominator that creates the spirit of excellence that you carry? I love that. Great question. Great question. So the spirit of excellence is your attitude. Your attitude is your altitude. You know, I, I love the fact that I'm having this time with you. I look at you as a leader, you know, amongst all of us. You're a great, great father. Um, you're a family leader. And I don't know that I would have had this, comp- this relationship with you if it wasn't for COVID. So my attitude is that, hey, I got to make a new friend. I got to like, and spend time. I mean, we spent together with almost two hours on, on, on talking together at this point. And that may or may not happen in the, the, the old normal world. And so my attitude about it is like, I'm getting to meet more people and have more conversations and have more dialogue. And I think that's the one thing I told the very first day of COVID, I told uh, a conference that I had, uh, that got adjusted to Zoom was your attitude is your altitude. You got it, man. And you have one of the best attitudes I've ever seen. I love your spirit of excellence. I love the fact at such a young age, your wisdom is far beyond your years. You're what I call an old soul but you're utilizing that old soul for a greater good and a greater purpose and a faithful existence that will, you know, hate to go back to one of my favorite movies, man, because I know you were starring in it, but you know, you liberate others to let their light shine. And that's really what Robert Richard is about. That's what being an entrepreneur is about. That's what being a person of integrity and humility and humor is about. Keep on writing, keep on learning. And I'll tell you this, thank goodness for COVID and Zoom because uh, we're going to be friends for life. And I'm, I know. Living, I'm living a long time. I know you are because you're on the, the fit highway, buddy. So <laughs> there's no doubt 